Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to episode, well, episode bonus episode of what most people think. Because I've got to say, first up, first and foremost, you fuckers do not miss a trick. I, as a throwaway comment in uh, I think episode 169 this week with Richard Herring, which you should all still listen to regardless, it's a brilliant chat about bollock cancer, being a bloke, comedy, all that sort of stuff. But we had a bit of quite a big politics catch up then. And as a throwaway comment, I said, and of course, if Trust resigns this week, I'll do a bonus episode. And then, of course, on, when was it, yesterday? Who fucking knows anymore? On Thursday, or the day that Liz Trust resigned, I was thinking, well, no one will have really clocked that. And then within minutes, literally minutes on Twitter, uh, bonus episode, Norcott. And then through Patreon, uh, you know, who they're the guys. This is look, if you just please just say a silent thank you to the patrons, because that that is the real reason that this this uh, episode is happening. So consequently, you might be able to hear that the sound quality is a bit different, is because I'm over in Dublin. I'm doing some I'm doing some club gigs there in Dublin. In Dublin, trying to get in the accent on. Well, Dublin. <laughs> Not there yet, evidently. Um but I couldn't I couldn't bring my um my normal microphone out with me. So I'm sitting here in a hotel room uh, in Dublin, and we will get to a big catch-up on all the big political news. Just a couple of things, really. Uh, not a new patron, but Chris Hornsby. Chris Hornsby is whining like a little bitch, Chris Hornsby, that he didn't, uh, that he hadn't had his shout-out. Well, Chris, bitch, Hornsby, here it is, you whiny little bitch, Chris Hornsby. Hmm, Chris, I didn't get my... You know one of those kids, one of those kids that's crying at the end of a party before you've even given out? All the party bags. Like, no, we've got one for you, Chris. Yeah! Chris Hornsby, who may well know, no longer be uh, a patron after that. But uh, but listen, thank you for your patronage. Thank you for all the patrons who keep this show uh, weekly and ad-free. Uh, but uh, if you look, if you fancy getting involved in the Patreon thing, like the moment you join up, loads of content. But anyway, that's not what this episode uh, is about. Just a quick one. And I didn't do a thank you and a fuck you um, this week. So that does give me an opportunity to catch up. Uh, Oh, by the way, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but um, Ryanair did an epic bit of trolling, right? So we're in the departure lounge and it says like, um, go to gate two. You know, they always lie, boarding now, definitely, but we've already taken off. It's all bullshit, right? But anyway, they call us to the gate. We kind of understand how the game works is they want to get us there because the moment that they can board, they want us to be able to board. So we all get to the gate. It's fucking busy. Do you know what I mean? It's half term. Kids are crying. You know, there's always a kid. Fucking Chris Hornsby was there. And um, where's my opal fruit? Opal fruit's fucking showing your age, all cut. Star, where's my Starburst? 
So anyway, it's all going off there. And then um, the woman comes over the little tunnel and goes, uh, Hi, uh, thank you for uh, coming to gate two. Uh, the flight coming in is not actually landed yet, so it probably won't land for a while. Then we've got to turn around the plane, so it's going to be like another 40 minutes to an hour. So you could maybe go back to the departure lounge or stay here. I thought, what, what an epic bit of trolling that was. What a, a brilliant piss take. Just, they must have just seen, like, on, on the uh, CCTV view of the departure lounge. Thought, Should we just see how many of these pricks we can get to come here and then walk back again? They're just, oh, you know what you could say? Flight delayed. Uh, but a quick thank you and a fuck you. So the thank you is to my son. My son, I went for his... Uh, his end of term report this week. He's got a brilliant teacher at school. And it was all good news, all good news. And they showed us, uh, the teacher showed us a little bit of work he's doing. Well, yeah, I don't know if you've got like um, a smart kid, and I'm, I'm not boasting here, but I am a bit. But there's a little bit where you go, oh, how brilliant is that? And then you sort of think, a bit too brilliant. Like it's actually, it's actually alarming. <laughs> oh, if he's, if he's that intelligent, like how much must he silently be judging us um but no he's absolutely smashed it in the teacher's words and then i had that emotion whereby i don't know about you but where before becoming a parent i always thought but you know people that boast about their parents i always thought now people that boast about their kids got people just the worst people but even as she was telling me information about his performance i was sort of lining up who i was going to tell how i was going to tell him how i'd just casually just, just flick it into conversation. Oh yeah, you know, Seb's actually, you know, he's getting towards his sat level. Yeah, yeah what? I've become one of those pricks, you know. But I just want to say, my son, if you ever, if you ever like years after my demise, is just just going through uh, old episodes of what most people think. Going, is did it? Did all he talk about was it only cricket, Star Wars, and politics? Well, on this day, son, and on it, and on every day, what a fucking what a smasher! Um, your oh, God, it just went. It went. Some of you weren't comfortable with that, were you? You were listening. Going, well, I didn't expect this, but um, but I'm just I'm just hedging my bets. You know what I mean? Because if he's a smart guy, he's gonna make money. When I'm in my dotage, I don't want him cutting me out. So, son, just you know, break me off a piece. Uh, the fuck you is staying in the world of airports is to middle class parents in airports, and it's not it's not so much of a fuck you, but it's just funny, isn't it, to watch them operate? Because I've long long sort of protested that. Men get told off in airports. And, and the simple psychology of that is is more than likely the man has left the pack into the woman. So he already knows he's on the back foot. It's been a stressy morning. Like, you know, she she got up. She was sorting out the kids as well and stuff. And then he got out. He walked the dogs. And he claimed that that was because that was need, what needed to be done. But he actually did that because he just wanted to get out of the house. She kind of knew that. Then they went to get a McDonald's breakfast on the way down. And he... Uh, he was adamant he wanted a double sausage and egg McMuffin, so they had to wait a further 10 minutes. So she's stressing. He's already he's already in the doghouse, and then they're walking around, and just like she's got all the passports on her, you know what I mean, all the printouts for the holiday, and just just pro- probably she's realised that really he's just another child on a day like this. So it's already funny in airports seeing men just get told off. It's so funny seeing grown-ups get told off by other grown-ups, isn't it? Like he's a fully grown adult, this geezer I saw earlier. 42, but just get it. she absolutely give him the hairdryer treatment, this woman. Just really tore a tr- strip off it. I thought she was going to sub him. <laughs> just yanked him off at half-time. Don't, don't. Um, but uh, but middle-class parents as well, when they go on their holidays, the problem is they've got all the same dynamics at work, but they, they, they're less likely to want to be seen to be rowing in public. So what you get is this kind of simmering way that they communicate with each other. Um, Graham, Graham, could you just, uh, could you just, just help me out here? <laughs> the moment, the moment a wife says, could you just help me? That is so much more than what she's saying there. 
Like you have betrayed me. You've let me down. You've let me suffer. You've let me struggle. Could you just could you just put that down and help me for a minute, please, Graham? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, dear. I was, I was just trying to give I was just trying to give um, Oscar um, some food here because you know, like you know, he's got to stay alive and have calories in his system. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's, that's absolutely fine. I was thinking you two, you two, just have it out with each other. Call him a prick. You tell her fuck off. You just go and storm off and have a pint of Weatherspoons and then you know, give it twenty minutes. <laughs> And my, you know, just just clear the air, but they don't, do they? They just have great notes. So, so, sorry, no, sorry, Emily, Emily, I just, no, I am trying to help Emily. Emily, I am, am <laughs> Emily, no, please don't do that in public. And, and and you just you just feel it. You just feel, have a Barney, have a good old fashioned fucking Barney. You know when that pressure builds up in this before a storm. Have it. Doesn't matter if people see you arguing. You know, doesn't matter if people see you shouting at your kids. They're so afraid to be seen shouting at their kids, aren't they? Because I don't know what they think that someone's going to call the fucking social, but just because they went, Oscar, fucking get here, you little shit. You know, Oscar, Oscar, come here. Oscar, darling, darling stop. Look, if he's being a little shit, he doesn't get a darling. Okay, right. Bloody hell. Deep breath. Let's talk about the politics. So as ever with the world of politics, we have to track back. We have to track back to Wednesday. Before we go back to Wednesday, I don't know if anybody's aware, but on Tuesday, we had an actual slow news day. It was amazing. I don't know how it happened. There just wasn't much happening. There's no big news. You know, the markets have been calmed by old, uh, the old patriarch, Jeremy Hunt. No, darling, give it here. Don't, darling, you just sit there and let me, let me just, you know, let me just sort it out, please. He's one of those fathers on the plane, wasn't he? Liz, please, Liz, please, would you just... Put the iPad down. Put it down. No, you don't need to restore that. No, that's not actually to do with that account. Put it down. Um, so once Jeremy Hunt had done the uh, the old patriarch thing, there was a slow news day. And I'm actually going to celebrate the anniversary of that day for the rest of my fucking life because I don't think it's going to happen again. And then we get to Wednesday and then uh, out of nowhere, Suella, well, not out of nowhere, but Suella Bravman goes, gone, Suella Bravman. I mean, for, for liberal Twitter, this is proper... This is proper ding dong, the witch is dead. I mean, she really was a standard bearer for a lot of things. You know, one, it's always challenging to them when you have conservatives of colour in, um, you know, the great offices of state. Is that one of them? I think it is. Um, and, and two, it's just further turmoil and chaos. And the reason being, it seemed, is that Liz Truss and Jeremy Hunt want to relax the uh, the immigration rules, you know, to help boost the economy and Suella Braverman, you know, speaking up for the wing of the party that doesn't want to do that, you know, and the part of the electorate um, that is concerned about the pace of migration, right? So they, there is also these rumours that there's a trade deal coming up with India, Diwali's coming up. She, she, I can't remember what it was she did, but she pissed off India, which is quite, you know, 1.3 billion people. That's good going. Um, she, I got to be honest, she wasn't my kind of politician. I sat next to her. Um, in Hackney for question time. And I did feel for her. Uh, she was up against it. But uh, she, I mean, a lot of people said that I threw her under a bus. But she just said something that was factually incorrect. She said, um, you know, Jeff, as you said, uh, this was back, uh, you know, during Partygate, I think it was back in May. She said, uh, you know, she sort of insinuated that I supported Boris Johnson. I said, no, 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 I actually thought he should go. But something about the rhythm of it made everyone piss their pants laughing. And it looked like I threw old Suella under a bus. But um, Twitter was having a field day. And then Grant Chaps is back. Grant Chaps is back. And you did start to think with, um, you know, Jeremy Hunt and then Grant Chaps, you thought, is this just like like so, like middle-class white guys who look like they go to church or synagogue? in You know, like faith-based white men. 
<laughs> who else could come back? Tom Two and Hat. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're just doing like, oh, guess who's back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milky Faith based posse back in the hizzy. Um, so they. So this is already a big story. I mean, the Home Secretary going is always going to be big news. Um, Suela Bravman didn't examine quasi quarting, really fell on his sword. I don't know what the opposite is. Suela Bravman picked up her sword and just basically started lashing out at anyone within five feet of her. And so that's already big news. And then we go to this um we go to this vote in the Commons, which is a Labour bill. It's an amendment or a bill, but basically it was to rule out fracking. Forever. Now, I've got to say, this has all been lost in the mix. It was obviously a mischievous bill, but that's what you do in politics. I'm not, I don't know if I'm pro or anti-fracking. I do know that I don't really want anything to be ruled out forever because, as we know, technologies change. Remember back in the day, you know, everyone was, you know, very anxious about nuclear power, and but even certain environmentalists have come around to the idea that nuclear power is a, is a better bet. You know, we spent fucking years not building any new stations. but So things can change. So the way that we frack can change. So I'm not sure I want it to be ruled out forever. But it doesn't matter. This becomes, firstly, a, a vote of confidence uh, in this trust. And that certainly seems to be the way that the whips are handling it. It's a three-line whip. A lot of people are... A lot of people say, well, it's fracking the hill you want to die on. And I was in a writing room the other day, and then we... we <laughs> We did speculate that, you know, if the fracking was allowed, maybe that hill would then collapse. But I don't know. I don't know enough about fracking. And then at the last minute, it becomes not a confidence issue, right? Um, at which point it all kicks off. Now, leaving aside the fact that the government, Liz Trust, did actually win this vote. Okay, but that doesn't matter at this point. We're way beyond that. That's like fucking... It's like a midweek win in the Papa John's trophy, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like we had three players sent off and your best striker got injured. That's not a victory that really anyone gives a toss about because it all it all kicks off. Rumours immediately. Disgusting behaviour. And of course, Labour at the moment are just enjoying and magnifying and, and polarising everything. So disgusting behaviour in the lobbies. People getting manhandled, man-wrestled, head-butted. Just, you could just say anything at this point, really. Chris Bryan is at the lead in all this. And, you know, early stories suggest that Jacob Rees-Mogg and Therese Coffey have basically physically handled someone into the, the lobby that they want them in. I've got to say, right, I mean, as far as kind of hit squads goes, I, I fancy my chances with, with Rees-Mogg. I don't know, Therese, maybe not. Rees-Mogg, I swear to God, you know, the moment he put up his dukes in that old fucking Queensbury rule style you just blow on him, really. He's a pipe cleaner of a man. If you if you've been successfully manhandled by Jacob Rees Mogg, I I just fucking move away. Live live away, change your name. It's over. You're an embarrassment. Male or female. Doesn't matter. It's not it's not it's not I mean like you could get talked into it, but not physically. And then Chris Bryan. Who can I just say, right? Uh Labour MP, Chris Bryan. I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's brilliant. At communicating, and yet one of the most fucking aggravating people in politics. I mean, if ever you wanted a reminder of the kind of slick, you know, Blairite days, right? Yeah, grown ups in the room. Um, it's this man, and he said he shares a photo. Uh, we're all waiting. What is, is there evidence? There's rumours of photos, and and what he shares a photo of what looks like some people standing in a corridor, which I replied to. I said, well, it's not exactly January the sixth, is it, Chris? Um, and then the following morning, there was uh, there was an old photo of Jacob Rees-Mogg which circulated. And this was of him. This was from 2018. So it's that thing that the left sometimes do. We go, oh, my God, you've got so much legitimate shit to throw at the government. Just do not. Don't get involved in fake news, especially when it was from uh, 
an incident in which Jacob Rees-Mogg was attacked. You know, not, not something you necessarily want to then use back against him. Um, and it is, you know, I mean, it's so weird with the government at the moment. You know, like, I was talking to another person in comedy about this the other day, but, like, you know, sometimes I had this point once with a heckler where... Like you, you know, I write for topical shows, and obviously part of it is writing jokes about the government. But you think, oh, it's so sad what's happening. It's so, it's so fucking sad. Like you, it's like when you're in a, a running battle with um, a heckler. And uh, I had this once where it went on for ages, and then I just started to look into his eyes, and I thought, oh shit, like maybe he's not actually well. <laughs> so she did PMQs, right? So this is where we're up to. But she did, she'd done PMQs. She'd said, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. I'm a fight. I mean, just just think about it. In the current thing, would you want to say stuff that could literally not just you know people say oh, this aged well? There's not even any aging process with comments like that. It could come around so quickly. Liz Truss, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. Which sounded every bit as convincing as uh, quasi. I'm a hundred percent still going to be Chancellor Kwarteng. Or Jeff, I'm a hundred percent only going to KFC for a two piece chicken meal. Definitely no hot wings or a crush em. But you know. Maybe Truss is a fighter, but sometimes, as we know, with all fighters and boxers, uh, you need to throw in the towel before you sustain brain injuries. <laughs> and Truss, uh, she made a... So this was now Thursday. This was yesterday. Truss made a visit to the palace, right? This happened off camera, obviously. I mean, fuck knows what. I mean, Prince Charles is so obviously a bit left, isn't he? You know, because we've all seen that clip before. We went, dear, oh dear, back again. <laughs> I mean, fuck knows what he said this time. And, uh, you know, he claimed he, he wasn't pleased to see her. He wasn't pleased about the news. And the fact that him and his mates were fucking around on a slip and slide outside was just purely coincidental. And then, so we see breaking news. Liz trusts to give an announcement uh, outside the Commons at half one. What could this be? What could this possibly be? And there it is, the lectern of doom. I'll just say, uh, by this juncture, leave the lectern there. There's no point. To put, that's one way the government could save money. Whoever's paid money to erect the lectern every time uh, a prime minister is, I just leave the fucking lectern there. And you knew, you knew, of course, it was a resignation speech because she had her husband there. And I don't know, you know, maybe Jeremy Hunt should have been there now. Was he, no, Liz, just please, Liz, no, don't lean on the le Oh, Liz, I just glued that the other day. And um, it was sad, really. It was sad. She had to... Um, you know, so I, I do, I do like when people do a job and maybe they've dreamed of it their whole life, and it was it's a fucking rough time, a rough ass time to be prime minister. But that, I mean, none of that covers over the fact that she was the shortest in history. I think both her and Quarting were only outlasted by people who had heart attacks and died. Um, <laughs> there was a poll about whether or not people thought Liz Truss had done a good job, and only one percent of people that had done good, good, only one percent of people thought she'd done a good job. That is just, I mean, that is, that's like, you know, Prince Andrew's interview with Emily Maitlis, that, that's that kind of fucking level. And um, I thought, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was interesting. I was just thinking about this thing where Graham Brady, who I think is, he's such a, such a charming man, Graham Brady, isn't he? You can see why he's the chief of the 1922 committee. I mean, only he could negotiate all those sharpened fucking knives and not get stabbed in the back himself, right? Just a charming guy. So we had a meeting with the uh, 1920, and we will be. You know, this won't reassure him about the rhythm. He says stuff. You know, you think, well, what you're saying is really messed up. Like the country is uh, is in the toilet. But the way you're saying it, it's nice, isn't it? I mean, if I ever do find out I've got a terminal illness, I want to find out from Graham Brady. And, and you know, like it must be harsh because he, she's she called him in to sort of go, "What's the lie of the land, Graham?" <laughs> 
Well, I would have said, well, you know, the fact that you're calling me in is a fair indicator. Um, yeah, no, there are, you know, there's still still some Liz loyalists out there. I mean, your husband next to you there, he's um, he's still here for now. Um, there's a couple of uh, people, I think they're on holiday, actually. I don't think they know anything that's gone on. But last time I checked, they were still Team Trust. It's a harsh, it's a harsh thing. And ultimately, I think she's done the right thing. And, you know... In, in a different way to Boris, she's kind of acted quickly, which I think there is one thing, one thing perhaps that people might, one kind of bit of credit that people might have cut, cut her back the other way. And uh, so we find ourselves for the second time this year um, without a prime minister. So next up, we're going to be talking about what the Tories do next. Okay, just a, a little hype here is um, just for the social medias. If you're not following me on Instagram, TikTok, I'm putting lots of stand-up videos on TikTok now. Most of my stand-up videos are going there because, frankly, I do not know how to make something work on YouTube. I don't. But TikTok is there. <laughs> and I can hear you right now. Jeff, leave it with, the t- with nothing. Stop trying to make TikTok a thing. <laughs> Please, just go and join TikTok. I promise you. Give it a month's trial. Or, or, or your money back. And as I say, Jeff Arendam is still uh, available on BBC Sounds or Radio 4 Comedy of the Week if you go through anywhere you get iTunes. And look, you know, my book, thank God I bought out a book last year, eh? In May 2021, when the Conservatives had just had a decent showing at local elections that Labour had lost Hartlepool. Fuck, what a different time that was. But, you know, the way that I'm marketing the book now, it's very much, it's, it's, a, it's very much a kind of time capsule. That's what... <laughs> So what's next for the Conservative Party? It seems that there are several... Well, there's a, there's le, it seems like there's less front-runners than usual. It's the way the Braverman fancies it, but okay, it's fine. <laughs> just, just calm down. It's it's not going to be you. You need, you need Graham Brady to just say in a really nice way, going, you know, just for a chance, well, uh, and nobody at all thinks this is a fucking good idea. Okay? You're, 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 you're disliked quite widely, even by people that like you. Um, so it looks like it's more than Sunak... And that was the initial front runners, and people talk about Ben Wallace again. Um, ben Wallace has, has since ruled himself out again. That's what he does now. Ben Wallace, <laughs> every few months, he just comes out and goes, "Just so now, I will not be prime minister." That's his thing. If he was a spitting image character, that'd be what he'd do. He'd just appear every so often and go, uh, "I would like to rule myself out." This geezer has got defence secretary at a time that is Russia versus the rest of the world. Well, that's that's the time you want to be. Def- you're fucking, you're Rocky Balboa, aren't you? In Rocky Four. He's up there training in the mountains with Adrian and Mickey. Not Mickey. Mickey's dead by Rocky Ford. Anyway, Jeff, that's not what people really care about in this analogy. Um, so it's going to be more than Sunak. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, on the cultural right are worried about Penny Morden in terms of some stuff that she said as past, in the past about trans issues. I think that, look, I know it is a very important cultural issue. I think that in terms of how it compares to some of the big economic stuff, I'm not sure it fully measures up. And I just think that, you know, once she was in power, even in the last uh, leadership race, the closer she got to the idea of it, she started changing her position a bit. So I think that she would potentially move towards a more conservative position. I mean, Rishi, um, I mean, she feels like the only one that could, uh, that could sort of steady the ship. She's the only one that's not hated by one faction of the party because Rishi, you know, I wouldn't be appalled at the idea of Rishi, but I know a lot of people in the party really despise him. They think that there was serious manoeuvrings going on to get Boris out, but Rishi's just stayed there, hasn't he? Warmed up on that little exercise bike by the side of the pitch. You know, the rugby players, I mean, he'd be, I don't know what position Rishi would play in rugby. Jesus Christ. Any rugby men in want to, what's the, the little one, a hooker or whatever, something, you know, or the guy that they pass around in the bath at the end. <laughs> 
But Rishi's stayed warmed up, and then into this into this drama, right? There's all there's little mild chat, and then within the space somehow of about six hours, the idea of Boris Johnson running and becoming Conservative leader and Prime Minister again becomes like a very real idea. There's lots of Tory MPs coming out for it, and uh, and a lot you know a lot of traction online. And look, for, can I just say that I find it hilarious when Twitter has a meltdown. Sometimes it is funny, isn't it? When you see the Stephen Fry's of this world and people going, you know, I will leave the country, I will, I will go to Germany, I'll go to Ireland. It's always Germany or Ireland, really. And I, but it's that kind of thing. People having a hissy fit on Twitter is never not funny to me. But that doesn't mean it's the same thing as a good idea. You know, there is always that part of me that wants to push the red button. You know, the button, you know, the button that says, definitely don't do this. I would like to push that button every single time. Same with No Deal Brexit. I didn't want a No Deal Brexit. I kind of wanted to know what the fuck happened if we did it, right? We could, and this is a chilling thought for my lefty friends, we could have, by, what, Christmas of next year, Boris and Trump back, back. <laughs> I don't even know what happens to social media then. I think it just, uh, I think it, I think it just stops. I think that they just go to their happy place, you know? They just go back to posting photos of their lunch. <laughs> you know, just, just rocking slowly going, I had linguine again today. Linguine. Um... Now, I, I've got lots of... I mean, look, if you were writing scripts, if I was writing a script, it would be Boris Johnson. That would be the most dramatic, comedic term. But then that's the point, isn't it? We're talking about scripts here, not a country that is in a delicate situation with a war, cost of living crisis. And I've got to, you know, I've got to push back on a couple of ideas with Boris. He's, you know, he's an election winner. I mean, in fairness, he did win the, the London thing a couple of times. But in 2019, he was up against like, such a deeply unpopular man in Jeremy Corbyn. You had two main parties that were backsliding on democracy, which is an easy thing to position yourself against. And also, you know, his approval ratings going into that election weren't great. His approval ratings, even before Partygate, were on the slide. I don't think, like, say, for example, your argument is that, well, get him because he'll win the next election. I'm not, I don't think that is what's going to happen. I don't think it's, you remember when Keegan went back to Newcastle? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what happened, but uh, you know he nearly won the league with them, and then he got—I don't, I don't know why he got sacked—and then uh, he came back, and there was that midweek game, and they were like the fucking return of the fucking Messiah, Keegan, Keegan, and he was gone within a week. You know, then Shearer was fucking manager, wasn't it? Shearer, and Shearer, Shearer, they got they got relegated. That is where that is where the Tories are right now. They're, they're Newcastle in the mid noughties Was that was that when all this shit went down? I mean, I always thought of Alan Shearer. You remember when Rude Hullet? I was Rude Hullet that Shearer took over from. Do you remember when Rude Hullet didn't pick him? I thought it's a big shout in it when, when the bar at Newcastle, at St James's Park, is called Shearer's. <laughs> it's got an apostrophe of possession. It's me fucking ground rude. Maybe Boris thinks that, you know, the Tory party is his ground. But one thing I would say, right, is timestamp this. I'm recording this on Friday, uh, the 21st of October, is it? At, at 530 so he may have, I would, if I was Boris, I would have just said I was going to run anyway, just to be a dick, right? Just to see the fannying around, just to see it give Emily Maitlis a fucking mild coronary, which it did. There's a very funny clip of her on her podcast, finding out the news and going, shit. <laughs> but the problem is, right, so, so he wins and, you know, right wing Twitter has a day out. You know, there was they, the left had their Suela Brava moment and then even bigger the right get Boris back. But he'll be enmeshed in shit again by Christmas. The Privileges and Standards Committee thing isn't concluded. There are other stories journalists are sitting on. You find yourself back in the 
the same place. And then we're talking about, you're not even talking about 14% of people voting Conservative. You're talking about potentially a complete wipeout. And I don't know if you really want to go into an election where the Labour and the SNP win almost every seat with a few Lib Dems and Plyds in there. I, I, I just don't think that's good for the country either. Like You could say, oh, well, the Tories have got to go for the sake of the country. Equally, I don't think like a Labour Party that haven't really told us what they're going to do that sort of gets thrust. Do you know what I mean? There was, I remember there was a film... You know, like one of those 80s kids films called Space Academy. I think there's one called like that, where they went to like uh, some NASA Institute and then through some weird twist of fate, suddenly they had to fly the next Apollo mission. That doesn't feel like a bit where it is with Labour. If you look, they all feel just a couple of years before the time that they would be ready for office. So look, if they had to govern with a slimish majority, that would pull them into line. I don't like the idea of the Labour Party with um, with a 300 seat majority, right? Then some of the old, the old Trotskys get fucking twitchy, don't they? Keir, you know, it'd be good to do something radical with this. But the Tories are, you know... You know what they remind me of, actually? It's a thing when you're doing stand-up comedy where you sort of... You realise the gig's gone and then the question is, do you sort of plead with them a bit? Do you try to be liked? Do you, do you sort of do some, some basic crowd work, you know... The, the, I mean, this is, people wouldn't do this now, but you see a geezer in a check shirt, you go, all right, broke back, broke back man in. Hey, oh, look at this geezer here. Look at this geezer here, the big forearms. Oh, oh yeah, well, oh, I'm not, sir, but I would for you. You know, that you just, just do all this desperate shit just to try and get something going in the room. Or there's the other way, which is the, the artful way, which is that you see the comics watching the back of the room and you think, fuck it, I'm going. if I'm going, I'm going down in flames. And you just absolutely bomb. You just alienate the room, just an absolute prick. Feels like giving the job back to Boris would be that. You know, it would be a stand-up who decides to go down in flames. And maybe, maybe that idea appeals to people. Maybe they think that it's inevitable anyway. And, you know, when you look at the Labour Party, right, if you look at the Labour Party, there's stuff going on. This, is all, this isn't for season four, you know, which we're in now. This is for season five. But, you know, when you watch one of those uh, box set type shows where they drop a little seed there, you think, what the fuck is all that about? That scene didn't make sense. In relation to anything else, but it's there, isn't it? Because then when they start season season five and they do the flashback, they go, eh, "Look at the plot line for season five. So there's a couple of things that have happened. Uh, Emma Dent Code, I think, was she the Labour candidate for Chelsea, something like that, or or was it the constituency that Grenfell, Kensington, Chelsea, something like that? But anyway, she's incredibly left wing, and she's been she's been kind of disbarred from from standing at the next election, right? Which for me, I don't think she's a very pleasant politician. She's not my kind of politician, but you know, she certainly represents a branch of the left. And then you had uh, Laura Pidcock or Laura Piddock, who was the one that got unseated in Durham after saying, I could never be friends with a Tory. And uh, then her constituency decided, well, we could never be friends with you. So all this stuff is, is is a fight to come for Labour. And I do wonder if Starmer thinks he'd rather get in on a slimish majority, you know, because he's going, yeah, well, I've got, to, you know, I've got to do the old centrist thing because, you know, it's all a bit delicate out there. But... 300 seat majority, they're like, <laughs> seize the banks, seize the banks, make them grovel, 95% top right, you know, that's that's the worry, and Britain becomes an even more unfriendly place for business, and look, you know, the reason I'm not so wound up about the idea of, you know, Starmer being Prime Minister, is because the real takeaway for me of, of the last month is what happened with the mini budget and the reaction of the gilt markets. And yes, Britain was acting in a way that was out of step with a lot of other G7 or Western economies. But what we essentially learned is that, oh, you you know, maybe well because of the debt that a lot of these countries have, that we are that we are in lockstep with all these countries that you can't 
try a radical different way. You know, you can't go for growth effectively. And there's no doubt that Trust and Quarting handled it badly, but I think he, there's something quite depressing about that, isn't there? And that's what makes you think, yeah, fuck it. Starmer, do you know what I mean? Starmer, more than, does it, does it matter now? Does it matter? Let's all just chill out. Let's just chill. It could be quite liberating. Let's just say, hey, the technocrats are in charge. Let's just get let's just get back to posting photos of our cats, man. <laughs> I mean, imagine at this point, right? Because it's all Labour or Tory. Somehow the Lib Dems have failed to capitalise on this at all, and that'll be because the Lib Dems hate democracy, isn't it? Imagine if there was a centre right option, a sensible centre right option that didn't when it comes to every big democratic issue facing this country, whether it be Brexit or even proportional representation, just want to basically ride fucking roughshod over the people and make unilateral decisions. So the Lib Dems are just sitting there. You know, I did this joke on Mashable a while ago. It's like, they, they seem to not be able to capitalise on anything. It's like you're on a beach on a really hot day and there's people there with kids going, oh, just, it'd be great if there was just somebody here selling drinks and the Lib, Lib Dems are there with a drink stand. And they go, hi, we're, we're Lib Dems here. You go... Yeah, yeah, just I don't know, just something really refreshing. They go, uh, we, we got Lilt, we got Sprite, we got Coke, and they go, yeah, just something to quench the old first. It's like we can't hear them. And when it comes back to the Tories, I mean, let's be honest, this is who it's really about. But the, the, the Tories, it feels like you know that pressure. We spoke about it in in the episode earlier this week. That pressure of being in charge throughout Brexit and then a pandemic. It sort of feels like it fried the circuitry of the Conservative Party. And not not only that. But it then, like once the circuitry of this robot was fried, it then it sort of instigated a death protocol. <laughs> death protocol instigated, and then you just see the robot just pulling out its own fucking circuit board, just devouring its own gizzards from <laughs> the inside. Oh fuck you know. Okay, just a quick layer here. I wanted to uh, run this one by before we go. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. Uh, this is from Ian Gould. Ian Gould says, I thought I'd run this by you, Jeff. Uh, some mates and I heard about the Oliver Reed pub crawl in Wimbledon, wanted to give it a bash. Problem was that my son, William, three years old, had swimming lessons in the late morning on a Saturday, and I needed to get up to London for a midday start. You absolutely do need to be there midday. You know, it's one of those ones when you get older, people say, yeah, oh, should, we meet, uh, should we meet at six? Why? Why are we meeting at six? Let's get on it early. Let's get oh, actually this week on Wednesday. I re- had a moment where I really missed that thing in lockdown. Do you remember when we you just start drinking at like half four on a Wednesday? And we'd all start tweeting each other or messaging about what you're drinking. Some weird fucking Polish lager. Remember that? I don't miss much about lockdown. I miss that. I miss, I miss the fact that there was nothing. There was nothing socially um, unacceptable about Wednesday four thirty p.m. drinking. A lot of you thinking, well, I've kind of stuck with it, Jeff. But yeah, you've got to get started early. So what Ian says is that he's made the decision to bring forward his swimming slot to 9am to aid my boozing. Is this acceptable parenting? Of, of course, Ian, you know the answer. Of course it is. All right? Happy dad equals happy lad. <laughs> I completely made that up. What is the one? It's happy happy wife, happy life. I hate that one. There's no like, There's no one for husbands, is there? You know, happy husband, all sweet as a nut. There's nothing like that. But happy dad, happy land. See, he's gonna he's gonna know that morning. You'll take him. You'll be buzzing. He's thinking, fucking hell, dad. Dad hasn't even had coffee and he's in a good mood. And you know, you don't rush him though, because you might get a bit greedy and then think, oh, I could get down there. I could get down there. I'll just have one on my own. <laughs> you know, you just want to get drinking. I mean, there is nothing greater, is there, than a day, a Saturday, where you know you're drinking and then you know it's starting early. You don't have to wait. You don't even have to wait. 
um, it's like Christmas for for men, isn't it? <laughs> Christmas, a pub crawl on a Saturday that starts early is the closest grown men get to the Christmas feeling. That is it for this bonus edition in this momentous week. I mean, it's the same momentous. It might be the it might be the one of two of five new prime minister bonus episodes that I do this year. Uh, again, sorry about the the sound quality. I probably picked the worst position uh, in the room to do this. I mean, it does sound like I've been in a cupboard the whole time. But I do like getting these bonus ones out. I mean, and and a promise is a promise. You know what I mean? A promise is a promise. So if I know how many people listen to this podcast, I, I would say. Uh, about five to ten percent of people have have rated it on either iTunes or Spotify. So please do go give it a five star rating. Uh, recommend it to your friends. And uh, honestly, I I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I don't, I'm out of the predicting game. All right, I'm out of it. All we do is we comment on things as they happen. That's about as much as you you can hope for. And who knows? By Monday, you know Boris might just go. <laughs> In your face, wankers, and it will all be a weird prank. Or he might be a prime minister. Who fucking knows anymore? <laughs>